You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Ray Hernandez is with us, one of the featured speakers at this year's UFO Megacon happening in Laughlin, Nevada, March 24th to the 30th. And he is, of course, one of the four co-founders of Free, Dr. Edgar Mitchell's Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial and Extraordinary Experiences, uh, researching the connection between consciousness and um, uh, many of these uh, contact phenomena uh, that include alien abductions, uh, near-death experiences, remote viewing. We'll get into that in a moment. But we were discussing the commonalities between uh, uh, the NDE and the uh, the alien abduction phenomenon. And you were talking about an enhancement or or the development of psychic ability in both of these cases. Uh, did you want to expand on that? Yeah, let me just correct you, Richard. Uh, this is not about abduction studies. This is about UFO-related contact with non-human intelligence. What All right. we discovered in our research is that the abduction uh, phenomenon only occurs with one-third of these individuals. That's it. The other two-thirds have seen UFOs, have had contact with non-human intelligence, but have never had an abduction. So this is a fallacy. This is constantly being spread in the field of ufology, uh, which is constantly referring this as abduction studies. Um, uh, if, if, you're, if people keep on calling it abduction research, then you're missing two-thirds of people that are having these experiences. Right. My, no, my intention was that the to, to demonstrate what you're researching is the commonality sort of across the spectrum, whether it's alien abductions, any form of, of contact, but also with things like remote viewing, NDEs, out-of-body yeah, experiences, yeah, and yeah, so yeah, forth. Yeah, right. correct. Yeah. Um, um, no, but I just want to get that point out, you know, that, that we need to be able to change our verbiage away from abduction research to research of individuals that have had UFO-related contact experiences. Now, another major um, similarity you had alluded earlier to to Preston Dennett, and that is um, our research uh, indicated that 50% of the people that answered our question have you had, or a member of your family, had a UFO-related medical healing? Half of the people said yes. These are huge numbers, okay? And I encourage everyone uh, to go to our website. Our website is consciousnessandcontact.org, consciousnessandcontact.org. We have available for free various chapters from our book. One is uh, chapter one, which is an analysis of our uh, quantitative uh, data, it's a 120-page analysis. And then the other chapter that we have is a chapter on medical healings, um, uh, co-authored by Preston Dennett and retired medical doctor, Dr. Joseph Burks. Now, if, if, if individuals are familiar with the NDE research, they will understand that one of the major components of NDE research is the phenomenon of medical healing. Um, I just came from filming, uh, we had a documentary crew, filming Raymond Moody and Dr. Jeffrey Long. These are two of the five major um, NDE researchers in the world. 
and both of them agreed that that was a major component of the NDE phenomena. And the most well-known case study is Anita Morjani, who was returned from her NDE, and she was told by an energy being that she called God that she was completely healed of her cancer. To tell the doctors not to undergo any you know, radiation therapy or any other cancer treatment because it's not needed. So when she was uh, woke up after her lengthy coma, uh, after her NDE, she told the doctors that. And the doctors said, don't worry about it. You, you know, you're on your, your deathbed. Any second now, you're, gonna, you're not going to come back. You're going to die this time. So we're not going to give you anything. <laughs> and lo and behold, two weeks later, they, they began to do all these series of studies because she was having this miraculous uh, recuperation. And they did not detect any cancer in her body. So, but yet the whole NDE literature is filled with hundreds of these types of case studies. And we discovered that as well in our, uh, um, in our data. Um, also, there's a manipulation of space-time uh, in both experiences, whereas um, individuals are taken in an NDE, and lo and behold, they get returned. They think they're up there for many years or many months. Um, or, you know, many, many days. But yet, uh, for example, like in my father's case, he had an NDE. He went in for open-heart surgery. But when he came back, um, he thought he was gone for 20 or 30 years because that's how long God took to show him uh, his life review. He relived all the good and bad things that he had encountered. And so I asked that question to Raymond Moody and Jeffrey Long, and they both said that, yes, that's an extremely common phenomenon, where individuals think that uh, they're in this other reality for uh, much, much longer, even in many cases, years. Uh, right. Uh, you mentioned the life review, uh, Ray, if I could just interject here for a moment, yeah. because I, I don't know if that is a, another commonality, but we, we, we often hear people talking about a life review during an NDE, but also uh, in some uh, contact uh alien contact scenarios people talk about uh you know seeing a, a being in a room with a large projector and um sometimes they're shown you know the the you know the environmental degradation of the planet earth but sometimes uh i'm wondering do they see some sort of a life review is that a commonality yes that's where i was going with this <laughs> you, you you beat me to it <laughs> um in terms of the manipulation of space time with the UFO contact experiences, people are visually being showing holographic images of what the Earth is going to look like if we don't change our ways. Okay, uh, that's uh, the more common type of um, of, of uh, manipulation of uh, being shown the future. But also, yes. a lot of people in these experiences, the UFO contact experiences, are shown glimpses of their life, of what they've did, the good and the bad, and the ugly. And then they're taught a spiritual lesson based off what they were shown. Okay, so uh, th those are not, you know, very common. What's more common is the the holographic uh, projections of what the Earth is going to look like. Uh, people are, are seeing it as if they're there, as, as if they're in that uh, that that, um, that 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 planet, that Earth planet, uh, being totally destroyed. Just like people uh, are being shown their past uh, with an NDE. So even though it's different phenomenon, it's the same concept. 
they're uh, they're taken outside of space time, being brought to another reality where they are reliving uh, images of the past and images of the future. Uh, I want to get into some of the other uh, modalities, and we're coming up on a, a break here, top of the hour. We will open the phone lines and take questions and comments uh, for Ray Hernandez. Again, we're not looking for your your um, UFO sighting, but we are talking about some of the commonalities uh, between, for example, NDEs, out-of-body experiences, remote viewing, uh, other paranormal experiences, and um, before, as we head into the break, let me ask you quickly, and, and just I'll get a short response here. Do you have a handle yet on why some people experience um, something as more of a, a near-death experience and other people experience it as what they perceive to be some sort of alien contact? Is it cultural? What's going on there? No, no, it's not cultural because we're doing the survey in many different languages um, all over the world, like we stated before, um, our English language survey, we have participants from more than 100 countries. So uh, these, um, the responses are very consistent. <clears throat> In terms of, you know, what is going on really behind all of this phenomenon, um, no one can really tell you at this point. At this point, we're just trying to understand what questions to ask. <clears throat> because this is an extremely, extremely complicated phenomenon. You know, Jacques Vallée, Edgar Mitchell, uh, they, they all stated uh, this as well. Um, let me give you just a, an example. What is circulating in the Internet is... I'm gonna, uh, sorry, Ray. Sorry for the intrusion yes. again. I'll get you to hold on to that. We will, we will do that on the other side. We've got another hour coming with Ray Hernandez. Your questions and comments as well. The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, your RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods, and a big how-do. To everyone listening in on our flagship station, AM 740 and 96.7 FM, Zuma Radio, right here in Toronto, Canada. And hi to everyone who's uh, tuning us in on one of our affiliate stations across North America. Hi to those of you joining us on our live stream on YouTube. And uh, those of you in the live chat on our Strange Planet YouTube channel. However, and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes. And I thank you for your fine company. Ray Hernandez is here and uh, stays with us for the entire hour. He's one of the four co-founders of FREE, the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial and Extraordinary Experiences. And Ray has published several peer-reviewed academic articles on consciousness and the FREE Experiencer Research Study. He was a co-editor of an 820-page book titled Beyond UFOs, the Science of Consciousness and Contact with Non-Human Intelligence. 
and he's also, again, one of the featured speakers at this year's UFO Megacon, happening March 24th to the 30th in Laughlin, Nevada. And if you go to my website, strangeplanet.ca, and then go to the Conspiracy Show page, all the details for the UFO Megacon conference are there on the front page. Just scroll down past tonight's show info, and you'll see a poster there for UFO Megacon and a link and information on how to register and a list uh, an, a list of the uh, impressive lineup of speakers and uh, Ray Hernandez, of course, being one of them. Now, uh, before the break, oh, incidentally, let me give you the phone numbers here if you'd like to call in with a question or comment regarding uh, the uh, the work of Ray Hernandez, Ray Hernandez, and and um, uh, and free. We're not looking for uh, your UFO sightings and so forth. We're exploring some of the commonalities uh, between. UFO, alien encounters, contact, and other contact modalities, such as near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, remote viewing, and we'll get into some of those later. The numbers to call in the greater Toronto area, 416-360-0740. Again, in Toronto and surrounding areas, 416-360-0740. And toll-free... From just about anywhere, 1-866-740-4740. So uh, before the break, Ray, we were talking again about the the commonalities between near-death experiences and um, contact. Uh, But I had asked you whether, you know, or why people, some people experience what sounds more like a near-death experience, other others experience as some sort of alien contact. And I asked you if it was cultural. You said no. You said it's, um, but this is such a complicated uh, thing to try and, you know, unravel. And you wanted to give me an example uh, before the break. Uh, I just wanted you to continue on before we move on to the next area of discussion. Yeah, I just want to emphasize that the clear difference between both phenomena is that one involves, you know, a death, that you either have died or you're very, very close to dying. Um, however, in our research study, uh, um, we've, we've discovered that uh, the people who have had UFO-related contact experiences, 80% have had an out-of-body experience, okay? And again, uh, these out-of-body experiences are... Are, uh, that's the first component of a near-death experience. When you have an NDE, you pop out of your body, you're seeing your body underneath, you know, usually in the hospital or an operating table or where you died. Um, I have a, a, a deacon at our church. He fell from uh, a ladder on, on his roof, and he was floating out of his body, watching his body underneath and the ladder on the floor. And then uh, the crowd coming, and even saw the ambulance coming. Um, so that's extremely common, and it's also 80% of the people that took our study. Regarding the people that have had an NDE experience, annual full contact experience, again, it was a huge number. It was 37%. So uh, somehow the, the NDE experience for, uh, for many people happened previous to the UFO contact experience. So uh, what we suspect that it might involve a triggering mechanism um, 
uh, consciousness triggering mechanism. Um, in terms of telepathic communications, 78% of the people in our survey, people, again, that have seen UFOs and have had contact with non-human intelligence, 78% stated that they have had telepathic um, uh, thought conferences or direct knowing or, or information given by some type of a non-human intelligence. Again, that's how NDE communication takes place, telepathically. Uh, we've had 50% of the people that were brought to matrix realities, okay? 50% of the people. Past life memories, 66% stated that they had a past life memory. 76% have seen a ghost or a spirit. Um, 46% stated that they received a glimpse of heaven or they were brought to the spirit world, okay? 67% uh, of the people have seen orbs. 21% um, have had objects in their house just move around the house without any logical explanation. 25% um, have seen uh, objects uh, which are called A-ports, objects that just mysteriously appear. Um, one of my best friends here in Miami, he has a whole collection of A-ports. <laughs> um, and A-ports is a phenomenon that's been studied by parapsychology for many, many years now. So it's, it was, it's been scientifically uh, studied and, and accepted by, uh, by the field of parapsychology. Um, so these are just some of the examples of the paranormal experiences that, are, that people are having. But I could literally go on all night talking about individuals that have had UFO-related contact, and most of their experiences revolve around paranormal experiences. They might have seen a little gray. They might have seen, you know, some other type of physical being. They might have seen UFOs, okay? But the overwhelming majority of their experiences involve paranormal experiences. And that's what mainstream ufology just not, does not understand. The UFO uh, experiencer researchers know this. But they're never able. We're never able to quantify it like we have. Right. Um, I wanted to ask you now. When you go to UFO MegaCon, and there are a lot of people there who, uh, you know, firmly believe that there are alien or extraterrestrial civilizations that are interacting interacting with human civilization. Do some of them? Are there some in the UFO community? who get upset and think that you're maybe you're blurring the lines and that you're kind of, I mean, let's be honest for some of these people, it is almost akin to a religion that ETs are here, uh, that they seeded our human civilization and so forth. How do they perceive some of them, your work? Do some of them get upset? Well, first of all, let me backtrack. Uh, physical non-human intelligence are very real, perceived physical non-human intelligence. So, Jacques Vallée, you know, has stated that, um, Alan Hynek and all these other researchers, that the physical aspects of non-human intelligence, that's very, very real. As I said it before, 51% of the people have seen these short grays, okay? But I could literally tell you several hundred different types of entities that people are seeing, okay? Um, uh, I could tell you that a, um, a medical doctor okay, has seen uh, the Egyptian god with the dog head, okay? This is a practicing medical doctor, okay? Um, we have another medical doctor that has seen uh, a large entity that can be considered an angel that grew gigantic in front of him with other witnesses, 
Okay. Another medical doctor. We have a retired IBM engineer uh, who uh, saw um, um, that um, the Indian god with the elephant head, okay, uh, Ganesh, okay? Yes. Uh, and also we have a retired DEA federal drug agent and his wife, who's a PhD psychologist. They also saw Ganesh, okay? So these are just illustrations of what I'm telling you, that people are seeing literally thousands of different types of entities. Now, the issue now is whether these entities are real entities or they, might they be holographic projections, okay? Um, because what people are seeing, you know, in the sky, UAPs, we don't call them UFOs, because the vast majority of the types of um, of, of, um, of sightings that people are seeing are not typical saucers, you know, or UFOs that you you know we've all come to understand is is a UFO. The vast majority of people are seeing um, um, the vast majority of different types of light displays, okay, that morph and change and grow in size. Different types of huge orbs. Um, when, when, for example, let me just give you an example. I was talking to an experiencer on the phone. And I told him that my wife sees this through a Catholic religious lens, right? He then goes outside. He sees these huge orbs in the sky. He starts taking pictures of them. And what do they have in the middle? Crosses, okay? Um, uh, uh, Becky Andreessen, uh, um, the famous uh, contactee uh, from Raymond Fowler's books, okay? She sent me a whole bunch of pictures of orbs with crosses in them. And she was a devout Catholic, she and her mother. Okay, so the, the, the point that I'm getting at is that are these visualizations that people are seeing, are they really Ganesh? Are they really, you know, the, the Egyptian god Anubis with the dog head? Okay, or are they something else? Are they some type of projection from some type of non-human intelligence that we don't understand? Okay, so to answer your question, yes, there is a physicality to this. No one denies this. Uh, uh, the vast majority of the beings people are seeing are the small grays. Thirty-seven percent are seeing the um, the tall grays. Uh, the reptilians is like twenty-two percent. People are also seeing the um, the mantid beings, the insectoid uh, type of beings. And as I said, uh, hundreds and hundreds of different other types of beings. So uh, anyone that tells you that they've got answers to this phenomenon, they're totally clueless because this is uh, the world's biggest jigsaw puzzle. That might take several um, um, several generations to be able to begin to find out what what questions to even ask for this. Right. I guess my my point was though that there there is uh, there are you know people who are definite in their opinions about the fact that these are extraterrestrial civilizations that we're interacting with, and yeah. and I'm just wondering whether they. They they may be they may feel somewhat threatened by your type of research because they may perceive that you're sort of undermining that worldview. Well, well um, that's uh, I agree with that. There's a lot of people in, in the few lectures that I've given that have come out and says, "Look, I've gone to so many UFO conferences and I've never heard anything of the, what you're what you're saying." And my response was that you point to me an academic research study about what you're telling me. It's never done. What you have is, you know, people like Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs and these other abductee researchers that uh, the most that they've ever worked with, self-admittedly, is 200 people. 
and how do they work with, with people in hypnotic regression uh, in their living rooms, okay? That's not academic research. So that's what people are getting their information from, from these hypnotic regressions that are putting people in their uh, living room table, and, you know, many of them uh, are known to have asked leading questions. So, you know, that's where the source of this information is coming from. Now, people have seen these entities, physical entities, people have had these, have been aboard a UFO craft. That's undeniable. That exists. But what also needs to be understood is that that is just a small component of what people have told us, okay? Um, the the uh, typical abduction scenarios, as I said, is only one-third of the right. type of experiences that people are having. Let's talk about another contact modality and, and the parallels between remote viewing. Sure. Um, well, uh, the audience members might not know that Edgar Mitchell was one of the individuals that actually um, was instrumental in uh, laying the groundwork, the foundation for remote viewing. Uh, Edgar was at the Stanford Research Institute, um, and he was the one that had been communicating with, um, with Russell Targan and Hal Putoff at Stanford because Edgar was studying the side phenomenon and consciousness. And then um, um, he was given information about this uh, Israeli um, intelligence person that they were using to psychically spy um, on, on other Arab countries, and that was Yuri Geller. And he was told that information by U.S. intelligence. So um, the intelligence agencies here in the U.S. got together with the Israeli intelligence agencies. So Edgar went to Israel to interview this man, convince them to come into the U.S. to be able to be studied. So that's how, you know, remote viewing began. Then later on, they brought in Ingo Swan, and then they began to formally develop the the mechanics, uh, uh, Jacques Vallée helped with that as well. A lot of people don't know that, um, to begin to develop remote viewing. Now, remote viewing can be thought of, again, as uh, um, uh, involving consciousness, just like these other phenomena that we just spoke about. It involves uh, somehow your, your consciousness, your thought, your non-material body going to another location, physically going to another location where you're actually seeing uh, visually seeing with with your consciousness um, what what you were told uh, is in those coordinates. Um, astral travel has been also commonalities. People that uh, go out of their bodies have OBEs, and uh, in their consciousness they travel to other locations. And many people that have done OBEs that I've spoken with, many many of these individuals, um, they're able to. For example, one guy will come out of, to my house. Uh, one of my best friends, who I never even knew uh, was doing this. Um, and he'll tell me, you know, the neighbor came home that night at this time. His car is, is uh, such color. He was, his wife greeted him at the door, was like yelling at him or something, you know. So it's, um, um, these things are being done all the time by individuals, except uh, they don't talk to anyone else about it. My best, my best friend, is a major experiencer. He never talks about it. He's a retired DEA federal agent. Uh, my other friend, who has very little education, he's the guy that does these out-of-body experiences. Also, uh, a man at our church who's teaching all these high-level religious classes is having constant OBEs. 
um, and so many other people that I spoke with. So again, it's the issue of consciousness, where your your thoughts, your um, your spiritual entity, whatever you might want to call it, is being transported to another location, and you're visually seeing what's going on. Uh. I want to ask you about you mentioned in the um, in the literature at free the the quantum hologram paradigm and you sort of allude, alluded to it earlier uh, the quantum hologram paradigm I'm wondering if the if there's any similarity between the quantum para, uh, quantum hologram paradigm and um, a theory that's been posited by by people like Nick Bostrom and and uh, Jim Elvich, who I've had on the program, the idea that we might be living in a a uh, a virtual reality or a digital simulation. Is there? Yeah. That, is, are, are, yeah. We, are you talking about the same thing here? It's it's different um, components, but it might be the same thing. Okay. Now, just to let you know, a good majority of the members of Free. The scientists, we're talking about the physicists, the astrophysicists, and the, uh, the side researchers, um, they are leaning towards that hypothesis that we might be living in a, um, a simulation, simulation reality. Um, I also have that hypothesis as well. I'm not a, a physicist or a scientist, but in conversations with some of the, um, we have four physicists in our organization that are all studying the paranormal. Um, you know, they've convinced me that that's a very, very viable theory. Now, in terms of the quantum hologram theory, uh, that's a theory that Edgar had been working on for more than 20 years with a team of more than 40 physicists around the world that were friends with Edgar, that were trying to come up with a theory of, of consciousness, how it works. And it's extremely complex, but in our first book, Beyond UFOs, we had a very simplistic explanation um, uh, written by Edgar, and, and uh, that chapter, that chapter article was titled uh, "The Quantum Hologram: Nature's Mind." Okay. In our next book, and hopefully we'll get some time to talk about our next book, which is a theoretical book. We're going to be putting in there a much more elaborate and um, scientific and uh, physics-oriented article with uh, numerous uh, citations of, of physicists uh, that Edgar wrote. It's extremely comprehensive um, article, and it talks about um, uh, what might be consciousness and how it operates. And it deals with um, our reality is a, a holographic, multidimensional reality, and that um, our um, multiverse, our cosmology, is filled with um, uh, information fields, which uh, was first um, developed by a um, by a, a PhD physicist who uh, 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 was a physicist at the the um, uh, at one of the major um, uh, NASA facilities and also at Stanford and at Berkeley, um, his name was um, Bernard Hache, and that was also um, uh, further developed jointly with Hal Putoff uh, as well, um, and it's a, a theory that our reality is filled with information. Rudy uh, is working on the corollary of that, and that's with black holes, because Rudy was the first one more than 25 years ago to write a scientific uh, paper saying that black holes are information uh, depositories, that information is being stored in a black hole 
like a like a hard like a, a mainframe computer. Okay. Ah, and what that, we used to call the Akashic record, or some still yeah, do. Correct. Perhaps. Exactly. Listen, that's what, that's what, Ray, I've got to take I've got to take from. another time out. Great. I'll take another time out. We'll come back. We'll get to some questions and uh, comments from listeners and a few people in the YouTube chat as well have questions for you. Let's uh, do that on the other side. Ray Hernandez, one of the co-founders of Free, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. All right, Ray Hernandez is uh, with us, and uh, let's go to the calls. Uh, Paul is checking in. Paul, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Hi, Richard. Thank you for taking my call. This is Paul from Oshawa. Hi, Richard. Can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, hi, Ray. How are you? Very well, Paul. Ray, a uh, quick question. Uh, I'm an experiencer. Uh, I've seen many UFOs, many greats starting in 2003, and it hasn't stopped. Uh, been followed by black helicopters just after it really started in 2003, 2004. Just to, uh, through the years, I've noticed uh, things happening down here on the ground with uh, the hydro, uh, a lot of power outages, flickering of lights, being followed by uh, lights brightly along a row of different lights, like, say, uh, in a building. Um, so my question is, uh, uh, you know, with even machines malfunctioning, and such, and when I'm talking to people about stuff, the light above me may be brightly flickering on and off. Um, am I being monitored uh, by possibly an intel agency, or is it other? Um, what you've just mentioned um, it was frequently mentioned by the vast majority of the people that took our surveys, even people with NDEs. Um, uh, a professor at, at the University of Virginia Medical School, Dr. Bruce Grayson, who's one of the world's leading authorities on NDEs, um, in an interview, he told the story of several experiences that he knew were walking under telephone lights, and all of a sudden, one light will go on, the other one will go off, will continue walking and go on and off. Uh, they can't wear electronic devices. They can't wear uh, watches. Their batteries get drained immediately, even though they put the battery in you know, a few days ago. Uh, in terms of these lights that you see that are following you, that's extremely common with UFO contact experiencers. Uh, this is not, uh, you know, military intelligence. <laughs> uh, the, um, these are non-human intelligence, and, um, and, and they're interacting with you. 
and the way they interact with you is really high strangeness. Um, you can't really explain it, you know, it's, uh, because it, it's uh, um, they're doing different flickering of lights at the sky, paranormal experiences in your home. Um, you know, there's no logical explanation for that now at this point. All right, Paul, thank you for checking in. Let's say hi to uh, Michael. Michael, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Michael, are you there? All right, Michael is uh, not. We'll check in with Michael a little bit later. Um, let's go back to the uh, the quantum hologram paradigm and uh, the idea that we might be, one possible explanation is we might be living in a digital simulation. Uh, is it then possible I guess we're in the we're in the realm of speculation here. Anything is possible, but the idea that in this digital simulation theory, that what we're, when we see a UFO or when we see an angel or when we see a ghost or Bigfoot, uh, we're we're seeing an artifact uh, that is being placed in this simulation. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that that artifact is real, does it? Correct. That, 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 that's the puzzle that so many members of our organization are facing with. <laughs> that question that you just posed, because um, uh, the hypothesis, as I said before, most of the members of our organization is that, um, um, that we suspect that these are projections from some other type of multiverse. These are multidimensional experiences. Now, within that, there are physical you know, terrestrial uh, type of uh, encounters that people are encountering as well. And I think that's where the lemma lies. You know, where do you draw the line of something being terrestrial and quote-unquote real? And then what are these other types of uh, paranormal experiences where uh, people are seeing hundreds, thousands of different types of entities and different types of light manipulations in the sky, but these might be projections from source you know, from our, our creator, some other type of non-human intelligence that's, uh, that's interacting with us. We, we, don't, we really don't know. You know, the, that's why we need to continue to be able to do uh, academic research and among the different contact modalities. And we're just starting, we're just starting to do that uh, with uh, Dr. Uh, um, Jeffrey Long, Dr. Raymond Moody, and a couple of other uh, OBE researchers as well. We're just beginning to do that. All right. Michael from Toronto has joined us again. Uh, Michael, let's have another go. Michael, are you there? Can you hear me now? I can. Yes, you're on the line with Ray Hernandez. Go ahead. Excellent. Okay, Ray, and uh, uh, hello, Ray Hernandez, and, uh, and hi, Richard. And uh, I, first of all, I have to say, uh, it, it, this is not uh, something that I, I, I follow, as, uh, you know, uh, as a regular thing. I mean, I... I I'm finding it extremely interesting, and I have to commend you, uh, Ray, with uh, all your information because you got all the the good statistics to back it up, which is rare in a lot of uh, topics of this type of thing. But uh, what I my point is that, uh, and you mentioned something about some IBM guy earlier, but I worked for IBM for a while, and I was on this management course. They taught us how to do self hypnosis. And I actually did cross into the next dimension. And I was curious, uh, given some of the things you talk about, 
because that one is more self-induced relative to some of the things that you talk about, people having this conscious thing and they go off in this other dimensional thing. But when you self-induce it, induce it through self-hypnosis, um, what, what's your feeling on that? Excellent well, question. That, that, that's extremely common. Uh, we are calling it mystical meditation. Um, it's by the, the people that do advanced meditation, you know, yogis, a lot of individuals in the ancient Eastern tradition, um, you know, people in the Buddhist philosophy. Um, there are literally thousands and thousands of stories of people popping up of their body and traveling to other dimensions, other realities. And again, in many of those cases, interacting with non-human intelligence. You could also think of it, you know, like remote viewing. <laughs> Uh, most of the major remote viewers have uh, written books and have given lectures uh, that they have actually remote viewed uh, non-human intelligence uh, while they're doing remote viewing. Um, so yes, it's, it's called mystical meditation, and it's an extremely common phenomenon. And again, it's, this is a topic that's not associated with ufology, but we believe that it, it's a, a, con a contact modality involving consciousness where your, uh, uh, your spirit, your energy, is leaving your physical body, and you're going to another reality, um, and there's a manipulation of space-time. So it's certainly... Uh, from your, your response and input, because I only ever did it the once, and I always thought, did that really happen to me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. There's tons of people that I speak with that actually started, you know, uh, seeing UFOs. Okay, and now all of a sudden, like for example, let me give you another example um, in terms of the consciousness angle. Have you ever heard of the concept called CE5? No. Where people go out to a field or a desert together in groups. You could even go by yourself, okay? I've uh, attempted to call down a non-human intelligence. Some people say a crap, okay? Uh, on five different occasions. Three times I was successful. Okay, uh, there's many people all over the world that are doing it. There's an organization called ET Let's Talk that hooks you up regionally, um, different countries and states uh, for other people that have a similar desire. And they go out and, you know, they call down uh, non-human intelligence. Right. Uh, it's called ET Let's Talk. So, again, it involves consciousness. It involves you with your mind, with your consciousness, you know, um, praying or meditating to see... Uh, lights in the sky, and lo and behold, boom, usually within 15 minutes, uh, in many, many cases. Um, well, it, it, well, on that note, and I'm going to, you know, overdo my, my welcome here, but um, I read a book over 22 years ago, it's called The Celestian Prophecy, and uh, it changed my whole spiritual being and outlook, and it's got to do with energy, and uh, to a little bit about what you were just mentioning is that when I connect to someone and we're, 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 we're good friends, they can be on the other side of the world, and I'll get a flash, and I'll think about them. The next minute, no, they'll be calling me or texting me. Or, you know, I mean, do you think that's part of it? Well, it, it, um, there literally have been, you know, hundreds of ESP experiments, um, similar to what you've just mentioned. Um, uh, Dean Radin, who's a member of our organization, uh, he's conducted hundreds of these experiments. And also, uh, what's been demonstrated is that uh, it doesn't, uh, distance is, is not an issue here. It doesn't matter what distance is. You can actually influence um, 
um, physical hardware uh, on, on the other side of, of the planet Earth um, with the random uh, generators. So, you know, what you've just stated is, is very factual. They've uh, de- uh, demonstrated in very scientific uh, research studies. But for materialists, uh, it's very difficult for them to comprehend this. They don't even bother to read these papers, okay? These are papers on ESP. Michael, thank you for the call. Ray, hold on. We'll take another time out. We'll come back and continue to delve into this remarkable topic. The Conspiracy Show continues right after this. In a democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. of the system are asleep. Now we can play The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. And welcome back. Ray Hernandez is one of the featured speakers at the UFO Megacon conference happening in Laughlin, Nevada, March 24th to the 30th. And um, uh, I want to ask you, First of all, before I get uh, ask that, I want to go to the uh, the YouTube chat and a couple of questions coming in. Uh, Titus in the YouTube chat wants to know if blood type has anything to do with the experiences. Is it a commonality, etc.? Ray, do you want to weigh in on that? Blood type is that something that yes. you you yes, uh, ask in your survey? Yes, we asked that in our survey. Uh, what blood type they were? Uh, they were. And we had um, uh, the various blood types. We also asked about RH uh, negative blood, which is um, circulating in the Internet. And what we discovered was um, exactly uh, 13.5% of the individuals stated that they had RH negative blood. And the uh, U.S. population is exactly 14%, uh, at least from the study that I saw from the U.S. population. And so uh, I'm assuming that's also the worldwide population. So there is no difference in RH negative blood. That's just uh, one of the many fallacies that's circulating on the Internet. All right. Uh, Nicholas in the uh, YouTube chat wants to know if there's any connection between DMT production of the body and contact experiences. And this gets into one of the, the contact modalities sort of the shamanistic experience and ayahuasca and so forth. But DMT is produced naturally in the body, correct? Uh, 
uh, correct. And uh, again, these this is just prophecy that individuals that EMT might be a stimulant within the body to induce out of body experiences and for your consciousness to leave your body. Um, in the in the study that Dr. Rick Strassman did when he administered uh, DMT um, to uh, the subjects in his research study that he conducted uh, about 20 years ago, um, roughly half of those individuals had contact with non-human intelligence when they were administered DMT. So, um, so again, this is a uh, uh, an experience where the consciousness uh, leaves the physical body. People are going to other realities, and they're interacting with non-human intelligence. That's why we're including hallucinogenic journeys as one of the contact modalities under the auspices of consciousness. All right. What I wanted to ask you about was. Um Grant Cameron, noted Canadian ufologist, I'm sure you two have crossed paths and, and spoken on occasion. Uh, yes, and he, he, has, he has talked a lot and, and written a, lo- a lot about, and there's been really a, a, a transformation in Grant, Grant's entire uh, view of the, of the UFO phenomenon. Now he's totally immersed in the idea of the, you know, the consciousness connection. And uh, he's also written about... Uh, the connection between, well, let's say, for example, musicians who feel they get uh, inspiration or they, they get a song that is literally placed in their head as if they didn't write it. There is simply the receiver for this message. And I've, I've talked to other musicians about this as well. I've done entire episodes uh, about it. Of course, uh, there was a, 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 a book called Alien Rock that explored this whole phenomenon as well. Is that something that you've you've researched at free uh, artists getting inspiration and and where does it come from? Well, we didn't specifically ask questions about artists, but we did ask those questions in general and also in phase three, which is the written responses to our 70 open-ended questions. Um, we determined that that phenomenon where people were given uh, direct information uh, is extremely common, extremely common. Um, let me just give you my own uh, information of, of what happened to me. Um, regarding this book, Beyond UFOs, um, I woke up on a Saturday morning, and again, a lot of these stories are hard to believe, but you could talk to Mary Rodwell and uh, Rudy Shields, and they'll tell you whether this was true or not. Um, I woke up on a Saturday morning, and I had all of the uh, chapters and all of the authors, okay? And then I, uh, of, uh, uh, of what the book is going to be about. And then uh, I wrote it all up. Uh, it was about a three-page abstract. I sent it to Mary Rodwell. I sent it to Rudy Shields. And I told them exactly what happened. I woke up in my head. The only thing I didn't have was who was going to be writing the conclusion, okay? I knew it had to be someone very, very big, but... It wasn't given to me. So I sent it to Mary and Rudy, and both of them said, unbelievable, this is fantastic, go with it. So they gave me a green light. I started to call all of the uh, eventual authors of our chapter, chapter, and they all agreed to it. Uh, so all of those authors that you have there in our book, um, if you bring them any on our show, uh, tell them the story that I'm telling you right now. All of them will say that's exactly how it happened. And um, eventually, about a week later, 
uh, all of a sudden, the name Brad Steiger uh, popped into my head. And I remembered uh, I had read an article, a book about his interdimensional beings or something like that. I forgot what it was called. So I got a hold of his email. I sent him my outline. And I said, Brad, would you like to write the conclusion for our book? And he was like, uh, unbelievable. This is like my wife's, my life's dream, what you're doing with your book. And he wound up writing that conclusion in hospice. He wrote that chapter a couple of weeks before he died. This wow, is, uh, there you go. You know, Brad Steiger. So, um, Remarkable. Listen, I've got to take a quick time out, Ray. We'll come back and we'll finish up a few more calls and questions remain for Ray Hernandez here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Peering into the shadows where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. If you're sure your phone isn't tapped, call now. 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Ray Hernandez stays with us. One more segment. Again, the uh, one of the four co-founders of Free, the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial and Extraordinary Experiences. Uh, that was a remarkable story about uh, Brad Steiger and how you arrived at uh, he would be the one to write the uh, the conclusion for your book. And um, we were discussing these uh, these downloads that come from somewhere and whether that's part of this whole phenomenon. And, of course, inventors talk about this all the time. Nikola Tesla, of course, uh, talked about this. Uh, I've interviewed many, many inventors and and almost all of them talk about how they use different verbiage. But basically what they're saying is you first you invent it in the dream world. That's sort of what we're talking about, isn't it? Yes, 100%. Um, uh, we asked uh, uh, also a question about science and physics downloads, and uh, 36% of the individuals have received science and physics downloads that uh, they just have no idea where it came from. These are people that uh, were able to pass basic uh, science class in high school, all of a sudden they get these downloads of you know advanced quantum physics. So it's similar concepts. Um, Richard, if I, if I may, uh, we have Brad Steiger's chapter available for free in our website, together with numerous other chapters from our book, again for free. And uh, the website is consciousnessandcontact.org. Consciousnessandcontact.org. Excellent. Um, all right, let's go to the phones. And uh, we have Melanie from Toronto. Melanie, good morning. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Good morning, Richard. You know, I, I have to call in <laughs> on this topic. We're glad to have you. Ray. Yeah. And ask Ray, um, that, um, did anyone at the, uh, at the free, uh, the researchers, have come to conclusion that some of the people who can answer all or most of them, the questions that fit the profile, do they think perhaps that those are incarnate from another place here on Earth? Yes, Melanie. We asked various questions regarding incarnation. 
and approximately 80 to 85 of the individuals, percent of the individuals, uh, stated that they believe in reincarnation, and approximately 25% of the individuals that had contact with non-human intelligence were told by non-human intelligence that reincarnation is very real, and also told them that um, uh, in the past that they were uh, an actual non-human intelligence in a previous life. So this is, they were told by non-human intelligence this, but overall, 80% 80% believe that reincarnation exists. Okay. All right, Melanie, also, thank you. Just to let thank you, you know, Ray Go ahead, yes. and Jeffrey Long, uh, two of the leading NDE researchers in the world, they both firmly believe in reincarnation as well. All right, let's say hi to Skip, who's also checking in from Toronto. Hey, Skip, welcome aboard. Yes, I'm here, Richard, and um, I, I just want to ask Mr. Hernandez uh, certain questions. I find in my experiences, it seems as though as I experience one thing, I move from one level and I go to the next level, like I promote it from one level to the next level. The level that I am on right now, I find that I would be flipping and some Entities communicating with me telepathically, and I can, uh, in my dream, I see certain images, and that, that's my tool to wake myself out of my dream. So when I wake myself out of my dream, I look up in the, the, in front of me, I may see like a smoke in front of me, I start a point at the smoke, and I see a couple of things, it rises to the ceiling. It left the ceiling, I keep pointing it to wherever it's going, and then it goes into a corner and disappears. And, um, I find it, when I tell people about the detailed, I'm the solution or whatever the case is, I, I know what I see and whatever the case is. <laughs> I categorize it as either misguided spirits or um, aliens or UFOs or some other entity. Uh, one time I had a situation where um, I wake up and there was a man face in front of me. Then he kicked me out of my bed. Anyhow, what I do, what I normally do when I don't understand certain things or I am scared, I speak in tongues. And I know whichever entity they are, they're supposed to know what tongues is. And sometimes they leave and they don't come back. But then somebody comes to visit me, they attach themselves to that person, and then they come right back inside. All right, Skip, we just have a few minutes. That's an amazing um, call. But I wanted to, you mentioned something that sounded a lot like lucid dreaming, and that is one of the contact modalities. Did you want to talk about that, Ray? Yes. Uh, Actually, what this gentleman was talking about, uh, numerous of his concepts, I've heard it over and over again, and I've read it in our surveys. One is that there is a progression. Uh, Many individuals start with a physical abduction. And 38% of the people in their first experiences see their experiences as highly negative. But then the vast majority of people are having more than 20 experiences. And what you get is towards the end of their experiences, it's become very, very spiritual, very transformative. It's like an evolution of, of taking you through all these progressions, like this gentleman said. And the higher level of the progressions is where you having these um, human-looking beings that many individuals identify as masters, bringing you to other realities and giving you spiritual teachings and concepts. Um, and these are people that started off with abductions, okay? Again, ufology doesn't talk about these things. Now, in terms of lucid dreams, 
That's one of the major components of a lot of experiences that people are having. However, we ask the individuals not to base their answers on hypnotic regressions or lucid dreams because that would tend to skew uh, uh, the data. We ask them to answer the questions based only upon conscious, explicit memories. But in phase three, which is the written responses to the open-ended questions, we allow them to ask uh, to uh, inform us of memories based upon hypnotic regression and lucid dreams under the circumstances that they tell us. This came via a lucid dream, this came via hypnotic regression, this came via a mystical meditation or remote viewing, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I hope I answered your question. All right. Thank you for that, uh, Skip. Uh, we just have a couple minutes here. I, I just wanted to ask you the, the status of this uh, massive free survey. I know that it's been rolled out in different phases. I believe it started in 2015. In the spring of 2017, I think you released sort of the first tranche of data. Where are we at in this massive survey? Well, we've cut off the English language survey. We're still continuing with the Spanish language survey. We have 850 individuals. And within the next few months, we're going to be launching the survey in uh, Mandarin. And uh, we have a team of, um, of Chinese uh, researchers from Hong Kong, from Taiwan, and in mainland China that are going to be working on this research study in Chinese. Um, in terms of our next projects, we're having um, a second book, which is a theoretical book. The title of the book is titled Beyond Materialism, Beyond Materialism. The Science of Consciousness in Contact with Non-Human Intelligence. It's going to be a two-volume book, approximately 500 pages to each book. So we're going to have approximately 1,000 pages. And there's going to be 30 authors. Approximately 50 of them are going to be academic professors and medical doctors. Uh, and this is going to be getting us uh, to the question of what the hell is going on? <laughs> what is your <laughs> hypothesis as to what the hell is going on? And then we're working right. on a documentary as well. Ray, uh, a great pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, in the meantime, people can uh, come down to Laughlin, Nevada and see you speak at UFO Megacon happening March 24th to the 30th. And uh, they can also check out the website consciousnessandcontact.org. Thank you so much, Ray. Thanks so much, Richard. All right. My thanks to Faz and Ryan and uh, Albert back next week with uh, Dr. Cass Ingram and open lines. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Talk show host, experiencer, Lorian Fenton, the producer of UFO Megacon, which is coming to Nevada, March 24th to the 30th, is standing by to tell us about the conference. And then uh, towards the bottom of the hour, Ray Hernandez, one of the four co-founders of FREE, the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial and Extraordinary Experiences, uh, he'll be one of the featured uh, presenters, and he'll join us again at the bottom of the hour, and uh, will stay with us uh, throughout hour two as well. All right, a quick programming note: note uh, next week, uh, open lines in the first hour. Second hour, Dr. Cass Ingram will be here. Normally, the second Sunday of the month, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, our paranormal investigator, joins us, uh, but she will be traveling in the UK or is traveling, rather, in the UK, and doing all sorts of field research and so forth. So Rosemary will join us again the second Sunday starting in April. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, Coast to Coast last night. Uh, my guests, Robert W. Sullivan IV, uh, was with me in the first hour, two hours, rather, to discuss esoteric symbolism in cinema. And uh, Maria Wheatley uh, unraveled the mysteries of Stonehenge in the second half of the program uh, incidentally i'll be back on coast to coast next saturday march the 9th and then again on friday march 29th and saturday march 30th and speaking of coast of course the big host and my colleague george nori uh, will be appearing at one of the truly important ufo conferences happening uh, these days ufo megacon march 24th to the 30th in Laughlin, Nevada, and uh, here to tell us about the conference and the impressive lineup of speakers is the event producer, Lorian Fenton. Lorian is, again, the producer of UFO Megacon, and uh, she is uh, an internet TV personality, a talk show host, and also an experiencer in her own right. Lorian, great to have you on The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, Richard. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. I can't believe, uh, you know, I've been uh, I've been doing this program at different radio stations for for 20 years, and this is the first time we've 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 spoken. And entirely my fault. No, no, not your fault. I hide in the <laughs> background. <laughs> I'm one of those people who just kind of sticks back there and, and watches everything and puts together conferences. And, you know, it's all good. I've been on Coast once before. Uh, George had me on, and we had quite a fun time. So, you know, I'm Excellent. just happy to be here. And to tell everybody about UFO Megacon, because it is going to be, it's very different than the other conferences. I'm not saying we're better. I'm not saying we're, you know, what you have to be at. I'm just saying it is something so different. And what we're really doing is we're going back to the roots of the original UFO conferences. Um, my co-producer is Bob Brown, and I hope everybody remembers that name because he was the original founder of International UFO Congress um, when it first started back in the 90s. 
and they produced 23 events over about a 15-year period, and it was the hottest thing going because at that time, we didn't have the Internet. We didn't have uh, TV shows. We didn't have anything around what um, the alien contact situation was at the time. So they were the hottest thing going. And you know what the coolest thing about all those conferences, Richard, was the fact that all of the people you see now on stages at all the other conferences started on the stage of International UFO Congress years and years ago. Um, right, most of them, right. I'd say 95% of them. So sure. It's, it's very sure. I mean, that was um, that was yeah, the conference. But and but one of the things that makes uh, UFO MegaCon uh, a little different, if I understand it correctly, is that uh, all of the speakers they're either uh, they're either experiencers or they're heavy into the research. Correct. Correct. They have to be. That's the criteria. We're not just putting people on stage, and this is nothing against the TV shows, again, folks, nothing against the YouTube people, nothing against the other conferences. But what we're doing is we're making it so that every presentation is a brand-new presentation given to the public that they've never given before. In other words, new research, new things, new um New discoveries, you know, new things that have happened to them since they've had contact originally. Maybe they've been on stage a lot over the last few years and their contact is changing. And so they proposed to us, let me tell people what's happened since the military got involved with my contact, you know, that type of thing. And uh, so it's just going to be very uh, different than the other conferences. And um, I'm hoping that people understand that this is the way we kind of feel that we're really kind of laying down the, the groundwork for that going into the future. People aren't like, and I don't know how to say this politely, but they aren't hoodwinked by a lot of things that may or may not be true. For at least our speakers, what's happening is they're telling us their truth. And I think that's super, super important in this day and age because we have so many hoaxers out there and so many people um, infiltrating, and I, I use that word kind of lightly, infiltrating the UFO community to, um, you know, make a buck or get on a TV show or, you know, whatever it may be these days. So I'm really trying to kind of weed through that and get back to the nuts and bolts of what is going on in the UFO community and totally sharing everybody's experiences with each other. And, you know, there's I think a lot that's of a- other conferences out there that do a very good job at that as well, but, but, but by, you know, proposing that you can only give us new information, it cuts out so many people out of the mix. You know? Right. So and I, and I think it's important people. because now more than ever, it's time to start pushing the needle rather than just spinning wheels. Uh, because you're right. Exactly. You do hear a lot of yeah. the same stories over and over again. And people are particularly since a year ago, December, with the, the New York Times story and, and people really getting a taste or a sense that, you know, a, a real disclosure is possible. It's and now people are paying attention in the media. Uh, so Absolutely. they are, you know, it's time to be on our sort of best behavior and provide data, provide, you know, concrete uh, information and provide new and fresh material. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the the other parts of this is free is very involved with this. We've also got the first two or three days and I'm so thankful you're having Ray on after me tonight on the show because he really um, 
they've done their scientific research into every kind of modality there is for contact right now and how it's happening, how the, con- how the contactees are all the same in one area or different in another. And uh, what we're, we're trying to do through the Free Foundation right now is get, get it to the point where we see commonality and where we can start understanding what's really going on here. And there's one other piece of this, Richard. I know you're a conspiracy guy, right? Oh, yes. We're a, a yes. full-service okay. program. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, let me just say one sentence to you, and I want everybody to think about this. Why is it that at other events, and I'm not going to name names or go through the list, but why is it at other events that people who have never had contact, never written a book on it, don't know anything about aliens, never seen a spaceship, never seen a UFO, never seen a UAP, or whatever we want to call them. Um, right. How come they're on stage telling other people what it's all about? That's what I'm trying to figure out. How did we get to that point? Do you think it's a conspiracy? Well, there's a there's a part of that. There's certainly, whenever you have some, sub, some sort of a movement, there is an attempt to infiltrate uh, and 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 manipulate and move it in a certain direction for whatever reason, but there is also uh, there's also the almighty dollar, and you alluded to this earlier. This is a huge field now that's become popular. It's the, the the late night television airwaves are littered with programs, so everyone wants to get in on it. Uh, it's simply yeah. that's the way yeah. commerce works. So I don't I wouldn't ascribe um, ne- nefarious motives. Uh, you know, to everyone who necess- doesn't necessarily belong oh, on the stage. Some I people are just, either. but I'm just, as no, a blanket but, statement, but there is that, you know, there is that, there is the infiltration. There's no, there's no doubt. There is, there is, there are disinfo agents out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. But I also, it's just kind of, it, it just always struck me as weird that I go to a UFO conference and somebody out on stage has never had contact or seen a UFO. <laughs> What? <laughs> Does that make any sense to anybody, you know? But it's very it's very interesting. So we're just trying to get back to the, the roots of it all. You know, I, I I wish I had been born in the, you know, thirties and forties so I could have been a teenager about the time Giant Rock was happening and uh, uh Adamski was up on the top of that uh, platform screaming for the Space Brothers, you know. <laughs> right, right. I think they were pretty real back then, you know. Uh it's just it's always intrigued me about the whole UFO community and and what we consist of. And there's a lot of, so many good people in it. I mean, there's just so many contactees and so many people seeking the truth. And see, that sets us apart from every other kind of community out there because it really is a spiritual community. People are looking for answers to things that have happened to them. And that's another thing we're going to be doing at UFO MegaCon that's never been done before except for once. And we are, instead of having one big experiencer group, like a lot of the other conferences had, and, and God bless them for even doing it. I really, I do bless them for that because it's not an easy thing to admit, you know, to the community that you've got to have a group for these people because they're, they are special. They have been contacted. They are, you know, they need help and support and they need to understand what's happened to them. And it's a very, uh, it's an enigma. It's, it's really hard to get your finger on what's going on. And so by having the experiencer groups, it's a wonderful thing. But what we're going to do is we're going to break down the experiencer group into categories. So let's, I'm going to tell you a funny story, Richard. I was at a big experiencer group at a conference and I'm sitting there and the guy next to me says, yeah, I saw a space, you know, a triangle spacecraft and it was so cool. And, and I said, yeah, I've had some strange contact. I had a woman come through my wall when I was in an out-of-body state and, 
talk to me. And then the lady next to me says, and it was just hysterically funny at the time. I don't know if it's funny now, but she says, yes, I have a, a husband who's a reptilian and we have a relationship and we're basically married. <laughs> I'm like, All right. Okay. <laughs> what do you do with that? <laughs> So, you know, it's just, it, it, they're very different. Everybody has a different interpretation of what's going on to them. And yes, of course, it's all very, very different. Some people are abducted. Some people want the contact. I mean, it's just, how do you perceive it, right? So right, right. Um, we decided we're going to get four different therapists in there at the same time doing four different types of groups. So if you've seen a ship, you go to one group. If you're having contact with greys and reptilians and mantoids or what are their mantis beings or whatever they're called, you go to another group. And if you've um, had contact with angels or higher dimensional beings or um, ascended masters, you can go to a different group. If you're a hybrid mother and you've got children, I call them my space babies. If the space babies people are there, they're going to go to that group. And so we'll have different groups every day that you can go to. So you're not, you know, sitting there for an hour listening to everybody's very different and very varying stories. So I all right. Think so let, let's get some uh, some details again on UFO Megacon. Uh, tell us the particulars, how to register, and so forth. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh yes, definitely. Go to ufomegacon.com. That's ufomegacon.com. And what I really highly recommend you guys do, first of all, when you get to the webpage, notice that we have uh, the creator of Project Blue Book coming in for the first time ever at an educational conference. He's going to be interviewed by George Knapp, which will be quite fun. That will be on our Saturday night banquet. And then we also have um, the military whistleblowers or witnesses to the Princeton and Nimitz event that's going to be happening on Wednesday night. And it's going to be very different than what people think it is because these guys have not told people what has happened since the Tic Tac event. And it's been extraordinary what's happened to them. Um, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to spill the beans now, but basically these guys have had really extraordinary things happen. And I believe, and this is my opinion, that the military is monitoring all those people because many of them have had extraordinary contacts since they, that sighting and that incident. So they're going to tell you all kinds of things you've never heard before on CNN or, you know, any of these other places where these guys have popped up. And we got ones that have never spoken out before. We got different guys from the military that have never talked about this. So it's going to be really, really cool. And then we've got, um, oh, Melinda Leslie's coming. She's doing her Skywatch experience, which is going to be really, really fun. And uh, I'm trying to get back to the page. I went away for it for a second. So give me one second. Okay. That's oh, military. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, here's something that you guys are going to love. John Lear has not been at a conference for at least 15 to 20 years that we know of. And we convinced him and lovingly are going to drive him down from Las Vegas where he lives <laughs> to Laughlin, Nevada. And he's going to be interviewed by Kerry Cassidy at Project Camelot. And they're going to be on right. stage on Sunday evening. And uh, let's see what else we got. Oh, God, George Norrie. I'm going to be on the of panel course. for Who's Telling the Truth. It's going to be great. Oh, fascinating. Um, yeah. Now, listen, I want to ask you about my fellow countryman, a man who is who really is credited with uh, with creating reality television, John Barber. Oh, John. He's one of my best friends. I love the man dearly. Big kisses to John if he's listening tonight. <laughs> yes, he's coming up. Uh, he's going to do my show. We're going to do it live in studio in, in April. 
Oh, wonderful. You know, I'm telling you, I put the, okay, I, now I'm getting all excited because I'm a big JFK buff. I mean, huge. And John knows this, and we've known each other for years about this. I used to produce the conferences in Dallas, Texas on the uh, 11-22 weekends. And right. I met John there, and I watched his movie, and folks, I'm telling you, the American media and the second assassination of JFK probably one of the best movies I've ever seen in my entire life about the assassination. And what the very interesting part to it, and because people kept saying, what is John Barber's film doing at a UFO conference? And I said, right. you watch this film and you will see it parallels the hidden agenda behind the cover-up of UFOs, just like they did the JFK assassination. It's, it's almost identical. So I want everybody to understand that it's all connected. The JFK assassination, UFOs, I mean, we do know that JFK was going to announce about the UFO uh, issue, and uh, he was working with Khrushchev at the time, and he was going to try to get a space program together with them, and they didn't want the military, the NASA, you know, Texas, Houston, they did not want this to happen. So there's a lot of reasons JFK died, and I always, people ask me all the time, who shot him? And I said, who didn't shoot him? It was everybody. It was the mob. It was, you know, the CIA, the FBI, the, you know, you That's name right. it, they were involved, right? Yeah, I, but, I always say that the only person who didn't have a gun that day in Dealey Plaza was Lady Bird Johnson. But who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, she might have. She might have. Exactly. No, you're right, though. Everyone was lined you know? up. Exactly. Uh, you, you're yeah, also going to be, uh, in addition to John's film, you're going to be screening some other films. Tell me about uh, some of those. Oh, yes. David Adair's film it is um, the America, America's Fall from Space. And it's all about David and his life and what he's accomplished. And because uh, David Adair, a very interesting guy, um, a lot of people don't know this about him, but he he was um, Office of Naval Intelligence for a long time, and he's been to NAM. He's done a lot of things that people don't know about. And there was a time in his life when um, there were a lot of people in the UFO community that were detractors of his that said that he didn't do what he said he did. And so he got together a film, and he brought all these people together that knew exactly what he did and how he accomplished it and what happened and made a film about it. And it's really extraordinary because I had no idea what David had done in his lifetime, and it's it's mind-boggling. Uh, one of the things that people don't know about is that David designed the space camps for NASA. He did, oh. he did the original one, and then after that, all the you know they built them after that, but he designed them and uh, instigated the first one. So that's just one of the things. So he's an amazing guy, and he really deserves the credit for everything he's done in his life. We're, we're showing that. We're also going to be showing the Nimitz film that um, uh, Mr. Beatty has done that's part. He's doing a documentary about all these guys that were involved in the Nimitz uh, uh, Princeton Tic Tac event, and he's right. going to put out his film for us to see as it's going along. It's basically just kind of a pre-screening of his, um, which is going to be a major documentary when he gets done with it. But for right now, it's just about 20 or 30 minutes. So it's a short. And that'll be interesting. And then let's see, what else are we doing? Um, I don't think there's any more movies. I think we've only got three right now. Oh, no. How about the, uh, very quickly, the implant scanning, uh, which is oh, available? Oh, yeah, implant scanning. Steve Colbert. He used to work with Dr. Roger Lear, who was the one and only um, physician in the United States. He was a podiatrist, but he would take them out of any place in your body. And he would remove implants. And Stephen worked with him his entire career. 
and he has all kinds of equipment. He has this big black booth that you go in and you get scanned and you get um, uh, black light filters on your body. And just, I mean, it's wild. It takes about an hour and a half to go through. And you get a, like a 50-page report when it's all done about the metals in your body and the things that he's discovered. And it's wild, folks. You really got to sign up to do that. I'm going to be putting up on the webpage within the next 24 hours his sign-up sheets for the week. So you can start signing up right now to get your scans if you want them. So again, March 24th to the 30th in Laughlin, Nevada. And um, how close is that to Las Vegas, by the way? It's about uh, 86 miles. It's about an hour and a half drive if you take your time. If you're like me, you can get there in an hour and 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And very quickly again, uh, Lorian, how do people register? They go to ufomegacon.com, check out the tickets page. We have all kinds of packages. There's going to be announcements in the next 24 hours about some little, we call junket flights that are going to the Riverside Hotel that land in Laughland, and they're from different airports all over the United States. That'll be announced soon, too. There's all different prices, small prices for days. Get a package deal with meals and the whole bit, too. So it's just, it's very affordable. Lorian, great finally meeting you, and thank you so much for this. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And hi to Ray, and I hope you guys have a great rest of the show. All right, terrific. Lorian Fenton, UFO Megacon producer. Ray Hernandez is standing next, or by next, one of the co-founders of FREE, the Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial Extraordinary Experiences, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Hey, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. And uh, hey, just a reminder, if you haven't already done so, please check out my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited new episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can listen and subscribe at Conspiracy Unlimited podcast.com. All right. Uh, great meeting uh, Lorian Fenton earlier, the producer of UFO Megacon, of course, happening in Laughlin, Nevada, coming up very quickly, March 24th to the 30th, and a whole host of uh, terrific speakers, experiencers, and researchers. And my next guest is actually both. Uh, Ray Hernandez is one of the four co-founders of Free. That's the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial and Extraordinary Experiences. Ray has published several peer-reviewed academic articles for Consciousness and the Free Experiencer Research Study, was a co-editor of an 820-page book titled Beyond UFOs, The Science of Consciousness and Contact with Non-Human Intelligence. Ray Hernandez, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Thank you for that wonderful introduction. I'm very well. 
Let me, let me begin, if I might, with your experience, because this is a rather unusual one, but it's also kind of interesting in, in the timing, because I just had uh, Preston Dennett on one of my programs uh, earlier, and uh, recently rather, and he just wrote an entire book about uh, UFO healings. And, and this is really at the center of your experience, but it didn't involve you. It, 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 it involved a family pet. Tell me about it. That's correct. Um, just uh, for your audiences to know, um, Chapter 6 of our 120-page book had a co-authored um, chapter by Preston Dennett and Dr. Joseph Burks, who's a retired medical doctor, and they uh, illustrated 12 case studies from our book from the more than 1,000 individuals that stated that they had uh, a medical healing by UFO-related non-human intelligence. Um, and, and just as you stated, that's how my first experience began. Uh, this was in uh, March of 2012. Um, a little bit about my background. Um, I went to Cornell for a master's. I went to Berkeley for a Ph.D. I was a university professor for six years, and now I'm, um, uh, I'm a tax attorney in Miami. Um, I had zero interest in these topics and the paranormal, UFOs, you name it. Um, every one of you that was interested in these topics were all kooks and crazy. <laughs> Until um, one day, um, our 15-year-old Jack Russell Terrier uh, became uh, totally paralyzed. My, uh, I called our vet. We had arranged to euthanize our, our pet the very next day. My wife was born and raised in Mexico and was a hardcore Catholic, began praying all night. And then in the morning, this energy being appeared that uh, in front of me made my wife and dog disappear, uh, put me to sleep. And then when I woke up uh, 45 minutes later, uh, my wife was celebrating in the middle of the living room, uh, and the dog was running around, uh, totally healed. Um, so needless to say, uh, it felt like... Uh, uh, I had an explosion in my mind. My, it was a total shock of, of my reality. And uh, that was in 2012. How, how much longer did your, your, your Jack Russell live after that? Oh, uh, she lived about 11 and a half months after that. And uh, again, she lived like a, like a teenager. Uh, before that experience, she had uh, rheumatoid arthritis, so she couldn't run, she couldn't jump. She was walking uh, very gingerly. Um, she had uh, heart problems, so she couldn't, uh, um, you know, uh, move for very long distances. Uh, she was like a 95-year-old lady. But then after that experience, she was like, you know, we can go jogging with her. <laughs> um, so it really was a miracle. And, and, and after that, there were subsequent experiences? Yes. Uh, my experiences lasted for approximately another two years. And they were pretty much nonstop. It was one after the other. Uh, I mean, we would have to spend numerous shows to go over all of these experiences. But um, it, it was uh, getting to the point where, um, you know, I began to drink. I had thoughts of that I was losing my sanity. But I didn't know that I was insane. I knew that I was not insane because my wife was having very similar experiences during this time period. And my daughter had seen a huge UFO with me. Uh, right outside the house. So I knew the entire family could not be, uh, all of us, mentally unstable at the same time. 
and obviously that that changed the trajectory uh, of your course or of of your of your of your life. Uh, so how oh, then yes. do you go from that and your background uh, to to hooking up with uh, Dr. Edgar Mitchell's foundation? Well, what had happened was the, the, the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for your audience members, it's a 501c3 academic research institute. It was co-founded by the late Apollo astronaut Dr. Edgar Mitchell, uh, Harvard astrophysicist Dr. Rudy Shields, who also will be speaking at the Lorian's uh, conference in Laughlin, and also Mary Rodwell, um, who is probably the world's uh, number one researcher of experiencers. Um, le- uh, we also brought on board numerous retired PhD academics, such as uh, Dr. John Klimo, who was a tenured faculty member of psychology, and his focus was the paranormal. He was the co-chair of our research committee, and Dr. Bob Davis, who is a retired professor of neuroscience at the State University of New York, um, Dr. Claude Swanson, who's a PhD physicist from Princeton, Dr. Dean Radin, I could go on and on and on and on, all these PhDs associated with us. And, um, and um, our organization, just for your audience members, uh, in order to understand is that we are not a ufology organization. Uh, we're not interested in, in investigating particular UFO, um, uh, nut, the nuts and bolts approach. Uh, our mission, our focus is to research what is the relationship between consciousness, the, the, the nature of our multidimensional reality, and how we uh, as humans interact with what we are calling the contact modalities, how we are interacting with non-human intelligence via the contact modalities. And the contact modalities are all the different ways that humans are piercing the veil and having contact with non-human intelligence, i.e., uh, UFO contact, near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, uh, channeling, remote viewing, CE5, um, with ghosts and spirits, um, shamanic hallucinogenic journeys. We all believe that all of these phenomena are all interrelated, that they have a common source, which is the manipulation of space-time, and therefore they need to be studied as one phenomenon instead of individually. So that's what, what, uh, what our approach is. And the reason why we did this first study, uh, uh, our book is titled Beyond UFOs, The Science of Consciousness in Contact with Non-Human Intelligence, um, because in order to be able to compare, you, you, the people have had UFO-related type of contact with the people who have had NDEs, OBEs, et cetera, et cetera, um, we need to be able to compare data actually academically derived quantitative data of this phenomenon. And there was, has, uh, was never a comprehensive academic study of this phenomenon before. Our research study is the first such study that's comprehensive, administered on a worldwide basis, that asks um, numerous types of questions uh, that had never before been asked in ufology. We administered it on a worldwide basis, um, and we received in the English language survey uh, more than 4,200 responses from individuals from 100 countries. And what is uh, very striking is that uh, much of our research findings totally contradicts what is uh, circulating in the field of uh, nuts and bolts mainstream ufology. 
Oh, that's, I want to get into some of that, uh, and we yeah. and we will uh, in the remainder of this hour and then on into the next hour. But I just wanted to, to circle back on something you said, and we're heading into a break here shortly. So once the music starts to percolate, we'll, we'll break and come back to it. But uh, when we're talking about non-human intelligent beings, um, and but one of the, the phenomena you're also looking into are uh, NDEs, near-death experiences. So how do you differentiate? How does one differentiate? One, someone has an NDE and uh, they they have some sort of contact with an intelligent being. How do you determine if we're talking about non-human or, let's say, the, the spirit or the soul of, of humans that have passed on? Okay. The, the, uh, what we determined in our research study is that the individuals that are UFO contact experiencers – these are people that have seen UFOs, okay, and have had some type of contact with non-human intelligence. What we found out was that the overwhelmingly majority, more than 85% of these individuals, were having a vast array of paranormal experiences, okay? What is circulating in ufology is just, you know, abductions and implants and, you know, these types of physical uh, components. What we determined is that these types of physical experiences is a very small sliver of the uh, UFO contact phenomenon. In fact, it's the paranormal and the psychic type of experiences were overwhelmingly the most common type of experiences. Jacques Vallée even stated, you know, 40 years ago, that he believed that these experiences were not necessarily extraterrestrial in nature, that these were multidimensional in nature. Alan Hynek, towards the end of his life, Right, right at the tail end, he also reached the same conclusion. These are the same conclusions of Dr. Edgar Mitchell, Dr. Rudy Shield, Claude Swanson, Dean Radin, Dr. John Klima, all of the members of our board of directors. Um, so we're talking high-level scientists that have studied these phenomena. Um, and also, for example, Dr. Raymond Moody and Dr. Jeffrey Long. Um, as a matter of fact, both of them uh, are going to be on our board of directors. Because both of them also believe that uh, the NDAE phenomenon has so many similarities to the UFO contact phenomenon. And I could go into some right. of those details later on. And we shall. Ray Hernandez stays with us and one of the other uh, co-founders of FREE. As we talk about uh, UFOs, non-human uh, intelligent beings, and uh, consciousness right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett 
from Zoomer Radio. And a welcome back. Ray Hernandez is my guest, and he is one of the featured speakers at UFO Megacon, the immersion event, which is happening March 24th to the 30th at the Aquarius Hotel in Laughlin, Nevada. And uh, you can register at ufomegacon.com, ufomegacon.com. Lorian Fenton, the producer, joined us earlier. And uh, Ray, with us now and um, into the next hour as well, we will, incidentally, after the top of the hour, open up the phone lines and take questions and comments. Uh, Ray is one of the four co-founders of Free. That's the Dr. Edgar Mitchell of course, the sixth man to walk on the moon, the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial and Extraordinary Experiences. And uh, he has published several peer-reviewed academic articles on consciousness and the Free Experiencer Research Study, which we'll get into as well. He was co-editor of an 820-page book titled Beyond UFOs, The Science of Consciousness and Contact with Non-Human Intelligence. Uh, And um, I wanted to go back to my original question before the break, Ray. We weren't quite finished there. And you're talking about how uh, Raymond Moody, of course, uh, who has done incredible research into uh, NDEs, uh, is going to be a a, a board member at uh, at Free. But I'm, I'm curious, again, how do you make the distinction if someone has an NDE? Uh, and and they they have contact with some entity. How do we determine, or how do you determine, or is it even important whether we're talking about some interdimensional or or simply, I guess, from a more spiritual religious point of view, that person is perhaps the 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 soul or the spirit of of a of a, a family member that has passed away, so they are a human intelligence. Uh, well, an NDE, uh, by definition, is, us- is usually associated with individuals that have either been uh, died, been clinically dead, um, or individuals that are uh, are near death. Um, and so that's the distinguishment. But what I want to focus on is how are they similar? Not me, is our organization. How are they similar? Um, in terms of um, Jeffrey Long, Jeffrey Long will be on our board but Raymond Moody remains an advisor uh, 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 to free, okay. together together with Dr. Kenneth Ring, very famous um, NDE researcher um, as well. Um, now, let's go over some of the similarities. Uh, but first, let me preface this by saying that uh, in our survey, we asked uh, a question um, whether an individual was transported to a multidimensional reality. Uh, we called it a matrix reality, and then in our survey, we gave it uh, a definition, a formal definition. Uh, similar like the Jody Fo- uh, Foster's movie, uh, Contact, I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, yes, uh, many, several times. Many years yes. ago. Yes, okay. Um, we had almost double the number of people that been brought to this matrix reality than individuals that have had an abduction. Okay, again, that's something that ufology just doesn't talk about, but the researchers of experiencers know that that was a a very, very prevalent phenomenon. We were able to quantify it, okay? It was almost, almost double the number of people that have had abduction type of experiences, okay? So both these experiences being brought to a matrix reality is almost identical to a near-death experience. Now, let's look at some of the similarities, 
Okay. The, the types of beings that are seen in an NDE, uh, number one is a spirit or energy being, okay, human-looking beings, and ghost or spirits, okay? And those are the three, ex- three out of the four type of entities that are seen by UFO contact experiencers. And from our survey, we were able to identify that energy beings were the number one type of being at 55%. Okay, that's the number one type of being identified in a near-death experience. Number two, the human-looking beings. 52% of the people in our survey said that that, uh, that they saw human-looking beings. Okay, now, the, the, uh, the type of being that is not seen in the NDE is the grays. Okay, uh, 51% saw small grays uh, in the UFO-related contact experiences. Um, however... The UFO contact experiencers also, 46% of them, uh, are seeing ghosts and spirits, okay? And that's the third major prevalent type of being that are seen in an NDE. Now, communication. How does communication take place uh, uh, with both phenomena? Telepathically, okay? NDEs, you never hear someone, the thousands of people that have had NDEs experiences, talk about, um, any uh, either the energy being or the human-looking being or the spirit being flap their gums, you know, and talk with their mouth. No, right, it's all right. mind to mind, just like the UFO contact phenomenon. It's mind to mind. Okay. Also, when people return with an NDE, same thing with people have close encounters with UFO-related non-human intelligence. They return with increased ESP. They in, uh, return with increased precognition skills. They are seeing energy auras around individuals, okay? Both groups uh, talk about the susceptibility to electronic devices, okay? Um, in terms of the um, medical healings, okay, the whole NDE literature is, is, is uh, filled with medical healings of the NDE experiences. The most famous one is Anita Morgan. Ray, I'm going to, pardon the interruption, I'm going to jump in. This was a short segment. We'll come back and we'll talk about, uh, again, some of the commonalities between NDEs and the alien abduction uh, phenomenon. Ray Hernandez, one of the featured speakers at UFO Megacon and one of the four co-founders of FREE, Dr. Edgar Mitchell's Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial and Extraordinary Experiences. More after this on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. <laughs> 